0: Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon.
1: I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to First Thessalonians chapter one. We're starting a new series today through First and Second Thessalonians. We're calling this series Peace in a Coming Storm. Because when you look at what the Thessalonians were going through, there was a time of turmoil. Theirs was a time of persecution. Theirs was a time of chaos and trying to know how to adjust to that. And that really is reflective of the time that we live in. A time in which we really are wondering about peace again. Because it seems like our society is coming unhinged for whatever reasons. And and it's not our place in this setting to try to figure out why that is happening. We're just trying to figure out how do we deal with it? How do we exist as believers in the midst of it? And I think that this series is so appropriate for us. These two letters are so appropriate for us to consider. And especially this first chapter. Because when you're in the midst of it, and you know, because we've got the COVID crisis, we've got the economic crisis, we're watching the political and social crisis that's happening on our TVs and all the other forms of media that we have, we're we're just left unsettled because it's kind of like what's going on. And then in the midst of that, you see the upheaval that's happening in the church people walking away from the church people quote deconstructing their faith and saying they no longer believe and and then you're like wow what what do we do how do we cope with this and then you come to first and second Thessalonians and you realize that there really isn't nothing new under the sun that the issues that we're facing today have always been there And there's always the enduring message for you and I to hold on to. And that's what we're going to study today in our passage. And it's going to start off, as with most of the letters that we look at from Paul, although when we looked at Galatians, he didn't include that because he wanted to get right to the issue. Paul starts out with a prayer of thanksgiving. He's thankful for the Thessalonians because there's something that they needed to remember about themselves. Something that they needed to be encouraged to look at. And I think that that's true for you and I. There is something in the midst of everything that's happening around us that you and I need to hold on to. You and I need to rest in. Something to hold on to in the midst of all that we're going through. So why don't we read verses 1 to 10. We're going to read chapter 1. Let's look at these verses together. Paul starts out his letter, Paul, Sylvanus, and Timothy. To the church of the Thessalonians in God, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope, in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of our God and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power, in the Holy Spirit, and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word with much affliction and with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith towards God has gone out, so that we do not need to say anything for they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. Now with these 10 verses we're going to look at something for you and I to hold on to. We're going to basically divide this section into two passages. We're going to talk about their testimony, which will cause us to reflect on our own testimony. And then we're going to look at the salvation that they have and the salvation that you and I have. Salvation understood. And those are the things that you can hold on to in the midst of all that's going on around you. That's why Paul's bringing it up for them. Something for them to hold on to in the midst of the persecution that they're facing. In the midst of the difficulties, and the struggles, in the midst of a society that's unhinged there in Thessalonica. So let's start off. Let's start off with their testimony. We see it in verses 2 through 4. Notice with me what... Paul says, again, beginning his prayer of thanksgiving, we give thanks to God always for you, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, patience of hope, in our Lord Jesus, in the sight of our God and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. All right, so I want you to see two things here. Here's the first one. Their lives were impacted by faith, love, and hope. Their lives were impacted by faith, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, hope, hope in his coming and what what the future holds, but also in love, love. All of those three things, their lives were impacted. You and I, our lives are impacted. And that isn't just three things. Oh, I just feel hope and love. These were three things that were manifested in their lives. How were they manifested? Well, first of all, faith produced work. He says, "Look with me." He says, "Remembering without ceasing your work of faith." See, a lot of people just think, "Oh, coming to Jesus means I just need to believe I can do whatever I want to do." No, no. Faith always produces in your life work. Your life changes because of faith so that now your actions and your attitudes change because of faith. That's what he sees here. He goes on and says their labor of love. Now their love would result in actions towards who? Others. That's throughout Paul's letters. When you are truly changed and truly led by the Spirit, you are going to express love towards other people. Not just people in the church, but towards other people in general. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has filled you with love. But then also he goes on and he says, And the endurance, New King James says patience, the word means endurance, your endurance of hope in Jesus. Your hope in Jesus the future, because you have a future with Jesus, helps you to endure right now. Helps you to endure in the midst of the crisis that we're facing right now with COVID, in the midst of the economic disaster that's going on, in the midst of whatever else is happening in our society. Whatever happens in your life, you can endure. Why? Because you have a hope. You and I have to hold on to these three things. What? Faith, love, hope realize that. He then goes on and gives us a second point. We see it in verse 4. Verse 4 says, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. Now, what do you mean election by God? Did he, you know, we don't have a choice? No, he's talking about your salvation. Election is often used by Paul to reflect God's sovereignty in saving you. He's talking about your salvation. So the basis of their testimony is the basis of their testimony was their salvation. So the basis of these things happening in their, in their life, their works that come out of their faith, their labor among each other because of love, their endurance because of their hope, that comes out of the reality that what? Jesus saved them. And because Jesus saved them, they were changed. They're different. They have a hope. They have love. They have faith. Because Jesus changed him through salvation. Do you see how wonderful salvation is? Listen, folks, i I like to say this, and I'll say this again. To have a concept of salvation as only being with Jesus later so that we can go to heaven is totally missing it. Salvation isn't just the forgiveness of your sins so that you don't go to hell later. Salvation is Now. Salvation is what God does in your life now, and the transformation of that life now. You and I need to understand that, and we need to grasp that. That's something to hold on to. He changes you now. And to help you and I understand that, he then focuses on that last part of chapter 1, verses 5 through 10, looking at salvation so that you and i understand it because hey it's so true every letter wants to make that point to you that you and i need to understand our salvation because let's be honest we forget or we take for granted the reality of that salvation and that's what we need to cling to in the midst of everything that's going on around us is that salvation So let's look at six things here. This is where we're going to focus the rest of our time now. Six things to help us to understand our salvation. And the first one we're going to see in verse 5. Look at what he says. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. All right, so I'm going to make a couple of points here. Here's the first one. Salvation was a result of the Holy Spirit's work in your life. Salvation was the result of the Holy Spirit's work in your life. Listen, I want you to grasp this point. When you think about the time... That you came to an understanding of who Jesus was. When you realized that you needed Jesus, and you realized that He, the Son of God, died for you on a cross, and you realized that it is He who gives you forgiveness, and by faith, you accepted that gift in your life, you came to Him for salvation. That, my friends, wasn't because you just heard some words and agreed with them. Wasn't that what belief is? No, no, no. That was because the Holy Spirit gave you understanding. He opened your mind. He opened your eyes to see it. How can you say that, George? Well, if you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he tells you that the God of this world has blinded people from the truth. They can't see it. But you saw it. How is that possible? Because the Spirit of God opened your eyes. And then because the Spirit of God opened your eyes, you understood and you reached out by faith and you got saved. And the moment you got saved, it's not just that you came to some sort of enlightenment in your mind. You were changed by power. What power? The Holy Spirit. He transformed you. The old you died. That's what he talks about in Romans. The old man was crucified. The old you died. The Spirit of God worked in your life. And you're different. You and I need to grasp that point. That's something to hold on to as you're you're seeing all of the chaos that's happening in society. You see how people are reacting and the anger and the frustration that's being exhibited. But there's something different about you. That something different is the work of the Holy Spirit. You and I need to understand that. Here's the second thing he says. The Spirit's work is manifested with power and conviction. Look at what he says here. He says, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, what does that mean? Conviction. You were changed because of the Spirit's power being manifested in your life when he opened your eyes, but also when the person who communicated that with you communicated it with conviction because they were communicating to you that you needed to hear this and that you needed this for your life. And this was the answer So whether it was a parent or a grandparent, whether it was a Sunday school teacher or a preacher or a friend at work, when they communicated the gospel to you, two things were happening there. There was the power of the Spirit working for you to have that understanding, but there was also the conviction of the person who was giving it to you that this is the truth and that you need to hear and you need to respond. That's what salvation is. Here's the third thing I want you to see. We see it here in verse 6. He says this, and you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word with much affliction and with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Now here's the third thing you need to understand, and you need to grasp it, especially in this world that's chaotic, and especially with some of the lies that are being spread today in the church about being a believer. Here's what you need to understand. Salvation brings joy in the midst of the suffering that often accompanies it. Salvation brings joy, the joy of the Holy Spirit, the excitement of being saved. We understand that when you first get saved, there's this excitement about Jesus saving you. But have you noticed that often accompanied with that salvation is suffering. Now, the problem is is that we like to tell everybody, get saved and everything will be okay. That's not true. Salvation doesn't remove the problems here. In fact, sometimes it amplifies them. Those of you who've ever been persecuted for your faith understand that. Especially painful are the persecutions of your family when they don't understand what you've done. You've joined a cult. You've, You've gone off your rocker. What's the matter with you? Salvation brings joy, the joy of the Lord in your life, in the midst of the sufferings. And that's what he's trying to tell these Thessalonians. They came to Christ and there was joy in coming to Christ, but they were living in the midst of persecution. And you really want to understand the persecution? You just simply need to go to the book of Acts and you'll see the persecution and the suffering they experienced because they knew Jesus. See, this is the reality. Salvation isn't just the work of the Spirit in your life. It's it's also having the joy and the peace in the midst of all the chaos that's going around you. That's something to hold on to. Here's what I want you to notice now with verse 7 and 8. Look at what he says. And so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Acacia who believe. For from you the word of the Lord was sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Acacia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out so that we did not need to say anything. Here's the next point I want you to see. The gospel's impact in your life became a testimony to others. The gospel's impact in your life became a testimony to others. This is the reality of what I want you to see. When salvation enters into your life, it impacts your life in such a way that others begin to notice in you the change. They begin to notice in you the change of something is different about you. You have a peace now that you didn't have before. What's going on in your life? What what's happened here? It becomes a testimony. And that's what he was saying about the Thessalonians here. In fact, their testimony was such that people throughout Macedonia, that's like people throughout their state, their province, realized that something was going on with these believers, that something was different about them. You know, it's often said, you know, how can you tell if somebody knows Jesus? Well, their life changes. Now, I I can't tell you exactly what that change is for every person, but the reality is, is their lives change. Now, that tells you something. If there's no change of any type in their life, you have to question whether or not that person really knows Jesus. Or maybe they just simply say they believe. Because belief changes things. Why? Because, remember now, who enters into the life? The Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is working in your life to bring about change. To bring about change. How does that change happen? Well, he tells us here. Look with me. Verse 9. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had with you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Now, here's what that impact is. Okay, That testimony is reflected in turning to God from that which is false. You want to know how somebody is truly saved. You begin to look at their life, and you see them turning from that which is false. Now, you would say, well, we don't have idols, George. Well, we may not have physical things that we bow down to, but we do have our idols in life. It may be your work. It may be a hobby. It may be a person. But we do have things that we idolize. It may be money maybe education, who knows what it is. But the fact of the matter is, is our adoration of things in life, our allegiances change. And we turn from that which is false in life to God, wholeheartedly. And so that's the testimony of change that happens in their life. They turn from that which is insignificant and false to that which is real, which is God. Is that taking place in your life? Has that taken place in your life? Because of Jesus? Because of Jesus? Here's the next thing I want you to see. There's another aspect to their testimony that you and I need to hold on to. Okay? Verse 10. And to wait for the, his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. Now, this wrath to come that he's speaking of here, that's referring to that time of tribulation that will take place right before he comes. That it is Jesus who delivers us from that. Now listen to me. That judgment that's to come. That testimony, that change of life, that testimony is reflected in a watchfulness for Jesus' return. So, When you're looking at the midst of all that's going on, the craziness that's happening around you, the society that seems to be upside down, you can have peace. Because you're holding on to something. Not just that your life has changed, not just the salvation, but that hope. Hope of what? That Jesus is there. That he's coming. That everything is moving towards his coming. And that he'll deliver you from the midst of the wrath that's to come, the promise of his deliverance. And you're watching for that, and you're living for that. See, that's what you and I need to grasp. That's what we hold on to. See, listen, I'm, let, me, let me just kind of say this to you, I, okay? There is no promise in the Bible that everything in this world is supposed to be okay. Does everybody understand me? There's no promise to that. You can't go and look for a proverb that says everything will be fine. You're not going to find it. That's because everything in this world is not going to be fine because everything is moving to a point of chaos to where Jesus then comes back. And our hopes for a better society and a perfect society and this kind of society. All of that's meaningless. All of that's... History shows us that. There have been times when Christians have taken over in places in hopes of establishing we never do it. Never. Never happens. Never. Quit going there. Because it's not going to happen. There's only one who can do it. And it isn't us, folks. It's Jesus. What does that mean? He's got to come back. So you hold on waiting for him, trusting in him, living your life right now for him till he delivers you, till he delivers you. So you say, okay, George, what do, we, what do we do with this? Well, I got two things I want you to think about as we try to take what we're learning here about holding on to that which is important in the midst of the peace. From, from his letter here to the Thessalonians. Two things I want you to think about. Alright. Here's the first one. You have to refocus your attention. On the one spiritual reality. In your life. You got to refocus your attention. On the one spiritual reality in your life. You say. The one spiritual reality. What are you, what are you talking about George. What's what's the one spiritual reality? I, I don't understand. Here's the one spiritual reality, folks. You're either saved or you're not. You either know Jesus or you don't. It comes down to that. that's what the spiritual reality is is you either have experienced salvation or you haven't. and you've got to refocus your attention on that. Don't focus your attention on, is society going to be this way it's always going to be before? Is things going to be back to normal? Will my IRA or my retirement funds be okay? Will, will I have this and will I be able to achieve this? and will we be able to do? It? All of that is meaningless, folks, because there is no guarantee about any of that. Any of that. Jesus made that very clear in his teachings. Don't put your trust there where moth and rust corrupt. Where somebody can steal from you. Don't put your trust there. There's, there's nothing that promises that life's going to be okay. So you got to focus your attention back on the one spiritual reality. And that is what? If you're a believer that you know Jesus and that one day you're going to be with him and then there will be no more tears and then there will be no more sickness and then there'll be no more death and everything will be right And everything will be handled right. There will be no more sin in this world. That's where you've got to refocus your attention. You've got to hold on to the reality of your salvation. Here's the second thing I want you to see. Allow salvation to impact your everyday life in the storm that is around you. And we're in the midst of a storm, folks takes on various forms but it's a storm so you allow salvation to impact your life what do you mean impact my life impact your life from turning from that which is false to turning to god from acting in a way that is appropriate because the spirit is leading you versus reacting as everybody else is You allow salvation to impact you. And because of that, the testimony of that goes out to others about what God can do in your life. What salvation can do. What an awesome thing to think about. Is that in the midst of the chaos and the storm, you can be secure. Not because you have a good bank account to handle it. Not because of the Living where you live and and making sure that everything... No, because you have Jesus. And that no matter what happens in this world, you have Jesus. And you can hold on to Him.
0: Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. this coming week.